looking pretty good, but actually as efficient under the skin as a hamster on a roller skate. That's the Formula E Gen 3 car and also the Motion E podcast. Welcome back to the Motion E podcast. I'm S. Garlic, and um, this time I'm with Alessia because um, Alessia is behind one of the most popular Formula E Twitter accounts of the last couple of years, and um, uh, she's she's a very young person, but uh, she's really found success on social media because people are fascinated, I think, with the difficulties that one particular racing driver has suffered. So, um, Alessia, you're the uh, brains behind Jake Dennis Struggles uh, on Twitter, at Jake Struggles, and you're also a member of the Females and Motorsport group, which we'll talk about as well. But uh, first of all, um, how are you doing and where do we find you on the podcast right now? Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure to be on this podcast. Well, <laughs> the story is quite fun because Jake Dennis Struggles actually started in a really random way. And I didn't actually expect it to last more than a week. (laughs) And this account was meant to be an archive about all of his struggles because I I followed it on Instagram and I saw that he was struggling quite a lot. But then of course, people started to follow it really much and the followers started to grow. So the content in 2022, were a lot because he was struggling really, really, really much. <laughs> but of course, he's also part, a uh, part, big part of the Formula E community, and so all Formula E fans can be there. I try also to interact with them as much as I can, and so <laughs> this is it. Yeah, and um, I would imagine that. Uh... For an international racing driver, it's uh, quite common to have problems with, you know, just-in-time transport and with with the international system of um, of, of flights. But uh, uh, Jake seems to have more than most. But maybe, first of all, before we get to that, tell me a bit, Alessia, about how you got into motor racing and how you became a Formula E fan as well. Okay, my story with motorsport has been... Uh since I I was born actually, because in the family, motorsport in general has always been followed. My my father has always been a truck driver actually. So he studied mechanics and I used to follow with him MotoGP. So this was the category for which I started to love motorsport. Then of course myself on socials and stuff, I also started to follow it more other series, for example, World Endurance Championship, Formula One, and of course, Formula E, that was kind of the new new entry. And for that, I started also to find also on Twitter, on Instagram, some other fans to talk uh, about our passions together. And this is it. This is how it started. And um, you're also a writer for uh, um, um, on Formula E for the website F1 in Generale, which uh, um, uh, Aurora Del Ali, who used to come on this podcast quite a lot, um, uh, um, worked for as well. Um, so uh, that that I guess has has given you the regular gig, which uh, is probably another incentive to uh, to uh, focus on Formula E. But I'm I'm sure that. Uh, um, it requires a lot of commitment, doesn't it, to write on every race and to uh, you know to 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 watch every race from TV or from your computer. It's 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 something that requires dedication, I imagine. Yeah, of course. Every time I woke up, it's just motorsport because there are races that, of course, are in the morning, qualifying, free practices, and I need to follow everything to be aware of what what's going on and what I can write also on the articles and yeah it required quite time but i do enjoy it so <laughs> i do it anyway yeah and um what was it that uh, made you focus uh, before we get to the struggles what was it that made you focus your social media accounts on specifically one driver specifically jake dennis 
Uh, I don't know, because probably I was, of course, I was following him, but I didn't expect someone else to do this account before me, probably, because <laughs> it was already struggling a lot, but nobody was doing nothing on the internet. So I was like, guys, what are you doing? Can someone do something? So for for that, I decided to create it. And it was during the Mexico City pre-weekend of last year, actually. So it's almost a year that the account is alive. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I remember the first struggle that I I shared on that account was when he, he got locked out out of his, his room, mm-hmm. outside the room, his hotel room. So that was strange. <laughs> And for it, I decided, okay, no, I have to do it myself. So it's how it, everything started. Well, um, he, he, he just seems to, and I, I don't know how much of it is self-inflicted, but he seems to have the worst luck in everyday organization. So uh, you, <laughs> you, you, you can argue that um, someone like um, Eduardo Mortara, for example, um, has had more bad luck in terms of uh, being right in front of a Formula E driver that chooses to brake too late and go into the back of him. Um, but... Uh, um, of, of course, you know some 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 of some of Mortara's um, uh, struggles have been self-inflicted, like uh, like in Mexico um, last weekend, for example, when he spun off of his own accord. But uh, Jake Dennis just appears to be a magnet for everyday incidents that could happen to any of us. Do you think that's maybe part of the fascination with his struggles that they're nothing to do with cars or to do with you know being an international uh, sports person? They're just to do with the everyday minutiae of boring things yeah this is the funny part about it because he's so he looks like a really normal person i mean lots of people started to follow the account without even probably knowing that he was racing a racing driver maybe or in formula e because he always shared a lot about his life and all these um, issues and problems that it gets, of course, outside the track. And probably this also helped me, helps him in the track, probably, because on track, then he do all the job and he doesn't span, for example, like Mortara did in Mexico. But of course, I don't know, it's just so strange that he gets so many struggles. And he finds himself, he finds it like fun. <laughs> So this is the funny part about it. Absolutely, it's um, it, it it is very amusing, and uh, so, some some of these things are things that, again, um, I'm sure things I've done myself. If I'm honest, I'm I'm pretty sure, for example, I've locked myself out of a hotel room without the key card, um, etc. But, um, so you 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 mentioned the hotel room incident, um. And actually, Jake came to my attention in terms of being a racing driver who has struggles. Um, when um, when Hazel Southwell, uh, in uh, um, basically a reply to a random WhatsApp message that I sent her, said, "Oh yeah," um, and she was talking about airport um, um, airport check-in problems, and and she said something like. Oh yeah, of course we can. We can both ask Jake Dennis about that. And I, I said, what do you mean? And she said, oh, he has horrendous luck in airports. Um, maybe you can tell me a few of the best airport struggles that he's apparently had. Okay, um, starting with, of course, uh, like at the end of the year, like the thirty, the, like uh, I don't know, I don't remember, like the last flight he take uh, last year. Um, his uh, suitcase broke, <laughs> and so I I don't know, but also the fact that all his pain are delayed or cancelled, then maybe he has to get the connection, the connection or is cancelled or has already gone, so he lost the flight, and <laughs> there's so many, I can't even remember them. Do you think maybe for a Formula E driver and maybe also a sports car driver, we're we're, we're talking about 
basically normal people with an extraordinary job. Because when you get up to F1 level, not all of them, obviously, but some of them um, are already in that super rich class of people that means that they can fly around unencumbered. You know, so they, they've like, uh, for example, Lewis has got, um, oh gosh, the person whose name escapes me. Um, what's, what's, the, what's the name of Lewis's friend who helps him at the track? Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh gosh, that's that's gonna that's gonna kill me. Uh, um, Aust, um, Aust, like, Australian woman with silver hair. Yeah, uh, Angela Cullen. Right, right. So Lewis has got Angela, uh, for example, and um, um, uh, Sebastian Vettel had had Britta, um, who he worked with yeah. at Ferrari and uh, Aston Martin. Um, and lots of drivers have a member of staff who maybe works for the team, but maybe also works for them and um we'll we'll just we'll just help them to organize their schedule we'll book their plane tickets we'll tell them uh okay i've set you a wake-up call for 5 30 a.m so you to make sure you get to the airport etc formula e drivers aren't on that much money and you know i was looking at for example mitch evans's flat in monaco when uh, or brendan hartley's i think it was actually when he did a, did a flat tour on youtube and most of them live in fairly boringly normal houses or flats and um, I, it just makes me think they're probably people who mostly organise themselves, aren't they? That That's maybe part of the problem, do you think? Yeah, definitely. This is one of the parts. And also they don't have like private jets or they can take luxury airlines. So, of course, they're in normal flights like us. <laughs> and also to all of us, this happens. But of course, we are normal people that probably people don't care about, <laughs> while Formula E drivers maybe already get a little bit more of attention. So this is the, the fact, of course. And also for F1, they have their own PR and uh, that can do also all this, this, those things for them, while Formula E drivers, they have to do themselves, I think, these things. So... Mm. Yeah, it's also difficult to organize the driving, also the training I suppose that they have, and also <laughs> their travels. Yeah, it, it's it's baffling how they get it done, actually, while also considering about, you know, getting training in and getting to the hotel on time and getting to the track on time. And in, in most cases, having to do two jobs effectively, because most of them are sports car drivers as well as Formula E drivers. It, it, exactly, it, it's yeah. a baffling amount of work to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't be done do this like them, I think. At the, at the end of the day, they're doing all of this and they managed to do everything while I don't think I would have put like two things together <laughs> like this. So, yeah, it's good. It's good. Absolutely. Um, would, would you say that uh, maybe if, if we look at the other side of the spectrum of uh, race drivers, the, the people who seem to have all the luck, I mean... Obviously, not so much last weekend, but up until last weekend, it seemed like uh, someone like Robin Freins, for example, was someone who, in terms of just everyday uh, organisation, could turn up five minutes before something and still and still be on time and doing fine. Um, he he did seem to have that very relaxed demeanour, which suggested that everything would be fine, even if everyone else was worried, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, of course. He really seems to be a really organized person. And also during from the driver's room videos, uh, he doesn't even sweat. So he can easily go like to a gala after having raced. So, yeah. Yeah, it was Sam Bird that pointed out that out in the driver's room last year, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah. And, uh, well, he seems to have such good friendships with certain drivers as well. I mean, Sam, obviously, but Antonio before that as well. Antonio, and... yeah. <laughs> And I, well, I feel, back at the day, I back feel at like, the days when they were in Andretti. Yeah, and I, I feel like 
with Formula E, uh, obviously there are many things we could say that that are critical about the coverage, but one thing that the coverage has done is it's brought those kind of little friendships and comments between drivers to the fore, which I don't think, I still don't think F1 does that much. It, uh, I mean, obviously Drive to Survive creates characters, it, it edits people in a certain way. I feel like Formula E, it feels much more real, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. For example, I think that Formula E has helped as, is also the fan community because like in Formula One, we have like Team Verstappen versus Team Hamilton, while in Formula E, we don't have these kind of things. We appreciate probably all the drivers, all the teams, because Formula E has passed this message of those friendships, those friendships, they feel all together like a family. And also our communities like this. So this is a fact that Formula E has done well. Uh, this is true, yeah. And um, uh, if, uh, maybe that's a consequence of it being it being a smaller category by an order of magnitude as well. You, you, you're not going to get uh, uh, a, a toxic fan base of, um, you know, Y driver uh, um, chasing, uh, chasing a cancellation on the internet of uh, fan site for Z driver, are you? Yeah, exactly. This is also one of the part. Of course, the championship is still really new, and of course, it will grow up more and more in the upcoming years. And of course, starting like this, it should be really promising also for the future. Well, do you think it will blow up more and more in the coming years? Because uh, obviously, there have been a lot of negative forecasts, uh, and uh, you know, we're looking yeah. at a situation where where Porsche might well leave to focus on sports cars, um, and you know, maybe depending on what their Instagram is doing, maybe to focus on F one. Who knows? Um, <laughs> and um, I. I, and 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 of course, you know, as as Josh uh, Wilcock pointed out, uh, that their um, their Instagram account seems to be pivoting towards being a general motorsport account now, which is interesting. Um, but so we've got all of this happening, and we've got uh, the um, justified, I think, complaints over the TV audience and the lack of promotion of certain races. Um, do you think Formula E can still grow with all this in the background? Well, of course, these are these have also a really big impact of the consideration of Formula E worldwide, we can say, and of course, in all the motorsport community. Uh, the fact that Porsche started to uh, focus more on sports car and everything on Instagram, I hope it won't mean 100% that they will leave Formula E, but of course, I don't know yet. But of course, they have still a lot of things to change. And I think they still can do it because, of course, the championship, we are just in season nine. So this, mean, this means that started like nine years ago. And uh, they can improve it, but they have to do it because if, uh, if they don't, it will be difficult in the future. Definitely, definitely. Um, may maybe uh, if you look back through um, your most engaged with tweets uh, from the Jake Struggles account, we could we could perhaps come up with um, a, um, a, a few tweets that you think have got uh, the biggest reaction. A few a few tweets that maybe got got the most comments. Uh, do Do you have any thoughts on those at all? Uh, I remember that at the end of last year, I watched online like a website where you put your nickname of Twitter and you could see the top 10 of your most liked or interactive tweet, tweets. And the first one actually wasn't about Jake. <laughs> <laughs> and was also a little bit Formula One related because it was actually a photo of Antonio Felix da Costa that was like with his scared face in the car. And somebody on the internet thought that this was Daniel Ricciardo that was testing Formula E. And oh. so I put those, that tweet with Formula E struggles. And of course, this already means that because there was the F1 connection, probably uh, that tweet a little bit exploded. I think it reached like 2000 likes or something like that, which is crazy. <laughs> and so this also can catch the eye to see that, of course, Formula One 
is still the pinnacle of motorsport. And of course, Formula E is also a long way to go. But it's already fun to see that there are some, I don't know, connections. Also, the fact that McLaren entered the series probably would put more focus on it. I'm trying to imagine who could possibly mistake Daniel Ricciardo for Antonio Felix da Costa. Um, they don't look like each other, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> they don't, absolutely not. But I'm, I'm, I, I guess even fake news can get you an audience, so why not, I suppose? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and uh, if, if you could pick a few of the struggles that you have chronicled and sort of maybe maybe the ones that always make you laugh or, or the, the ones that always make you smile when you think of them, uh, which which are Jake's biggest struggles or Jake's most memorable struggles? Mm, okay, the dishwasher one definitely was is up there from the scale of biggest struggles probably you'll, you'll need to talk about that because we talked about it before the recording but uh, just tell everyone again uh okay uh as i call it the dishwasher sega is like <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh i think he has put in the dishwasher the um the soap for the the glasses and so on but that wasn't meant to be in the dishwasher so the dishwasher then, I, I don't know if it exploded or something, but a lot of soap was uh, all over the kitchen. <laughs> and it was so fun to see. <laughs> and I think this, this happened during the season of season, between season seven and eight, I think it happened. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be be uh just after he had missed out on a title because of his brakes not exactly. working at the first yeah corner. exactly yeah. The, yeah. this was a big struggle too so yeah, yeah. um all right so the, so the the dishwasher saga and um i i don't think i followed jake's instagram at this point uh what was it chronicled over several pictures and videos uh yeah it was it was posting like now probably but of course, he had many um, less focus, probably because it was his first season in Formula E. And of course, lots of people I've heard in the past that they didn't know who he was also when he started in Formula E. So, yeah, he used to post that, those two. So, yeah. Right, right. Um, what, what's, a, what's another one? What's another story that sticks in your head? Okay, this one is recent and is from the precision testing in Valencia. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what happened. Maybe in London it was snowing. I don't know. Because, of course, I'm not from London. But, of course, all the flights were cancelled. And I remember that Oliver Roland posted on Instagram uh, Instagram stories where he was with Jake and he was saying that his first fly of the year with Jake was cancelled because of course Jake is the struggling man and <laughs> <laughs> he destroyed everybody everybody's flight and I don't remember if they managed to get the shake down because <laughs> all the flights were cancelled they had to fly like another day or two days after because everything was blocked and it really blocked all the motorsport because also some other drivers from Formula 3 were blocked in the airport. And yeah, it was so, so fun to see because everybody was tagging my account like, please check, check it out, check it out. And I was like, OK, OK, we'll do it. OK, OK. So um, maybe, maybe Oliver Rowland felt that uh, Jake's luck was rubbing off on him in that case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Sasha Fenestras was thinking about this that same day. <laughs> because also him put a story about uh, losing or losing the, tra- the, the flight. And I think he also tagged Jake in that story. So <laughs> everybody knows about him and his struggle, travel struggles. It's it's got to be a major stigma when when even the newest drivers in Formula E uh, tag you in photos when they're having a travel problem. Yeah, uh, also Jake Hughes 
Because of course the account is Jake struggles without the Dennis in the nickname. Uh huh. So when Jake Hughes was announced to join McLaren, like everybody was saying, like, okay, so you will also feature Jake. Hugh struggles on the account, <laughs> but I don't think he struggles this much, so I don't know. You must be very pleased to have two Jakes to choose from when it comes to, uh, well, chron- chronicling people's difficulties. Yeah, exactly. Today I've been also tagged in that Jack Aitken struggle because he's Jack and uh-huh. the name is similar. <laughs> they tagged me also on that. <laughs> Well, um, J- Jack Aitken's struggles started when, um, when, when he uh, basically um, started the butterfly effect that put George Russell out of the win in Bahrain, didn't it? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so, like so um, g- given that uh, he is uh, he he is a meme machine at the moment, he's he's making lots of memes about struggles. Do you think uh, if, if, you know, if Jake turns out to be a surprise title contender this season in a customer car, the Andretti, do you think that uh, um, being in title contention or indeed uh, winning the title might take away a bit of that struggles reputation? Or uh, do, you, do you think he will still be the lovable driver that we just love to look at the everyday failures of? Uh, of course, it's difficult to to say because it didn't happen yet but already from winning the mexico city Prix, i like put a tweet saying like okay so we can say that we were there when he was still struggling because now he won he, he won't struggle anymore and everybody was saying like no he will struggle tomorrow maybe or maybe oh, okay he won't come back from from mexico because his flight will be cancelled and i'm like okay <laughs> so I don't know if uh, I don't know. I think he will stay like he is, but uh, I don't know, of course. Well, I, I mean, um, I'm I'm trying not to do too much race reaction on this podcast because uh, I, I I want people to be, able to, to be able to be able to listen to it, you know, six months down the road. But I I do think we should talk about each race as it happens. And obviously, the reason why I had you on now is because as we are recording, this is just after the Mexico City pre 2023, and uh, of course, Jake Dennis won the first race of the season. Now. I thought this was an ideal time to get on uh, the, the the person who's had such massive success, really, um, um, off off the back of uh, tweeting about him. And you, by the way, your your account has blown up. Um, it's it's worth mentioning again that um, you passed a thousand followers during the Mexico weekend. Um, that's about uh, well, so Motion E gets about seventy seventy percent of that. So I've I've got to you know bow down to your better judgment when it comes to socials. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> so um, about the weekend, about the win. I mean, it, it was a truly dominant win, and we've I don't think we've seen that kind of domination in Formula E, except for well, really during the Berlin races um, a, f- a few times, but. We, we don't we don't normally see it um in, in Mexico and we certainly wouldn't expect to see it for Jake although of course you know Porsche themselves had a massive one two in Mexico last season do you think do you think that that powertrain is just for some reason ideally suited to the Mexico circuit even though we're talking about two completely different powertrains from last season and this season yeah, this is the main point because, of course, last year uh, we had the maiden win of Porsche, of Pascal Verlaine, and the first one too. And then, of course, Porsche never reached the podium again for all the season. And they were absolutely dominant also in that race. So, of course, uh, coming with a new era, a new season, and starting the season in Mexico you could get, of course, the Porsche vibes from last year and thinking maybe it will happen again. But, of course, the the car are new, also the powertrains are new, even if, of course, the the brand is the same, but it was unexpected. And I think probably most of the people didn't expect the customer team of Porsche to win the race and not Porsche itself. So this was probably one of the main points. And also the the gap that was between 
Jake that won the race and Pascal that was in second and then all the rest because also behind Pascal there was like eight or nine seconds of gap. <laughs> it was really strange for Formula E. I don't know if maybe it's because it's Mexico and also last year the gap between the two Porsches and all the rest was this big or it's maybe the Gen 3 effect. Yeah, possibly. And obviously, there were a lot of people, including me, who were concerned about taking the Gen 3 car out with without that emergency brake in place, because there have been all those brake failures uh, in, in Valencia, and they, they still hadn't got fully to the bottom of why, of why regen braking wasn't kicking in um, for some drivers in the way that it should have done. Um, but with perhaps the exception of I think one incident um, uh, d- during practice, I, I, I don't think you could put any of the incidents down to a regen braking problem, could you? No, absolutely. It was uh, compared to the Valencia precision testing. It was promising because we didn't see uh, like braking failures. Of course, the tires and everything, the drivers need to be more used to them. So they had to, sometimes they have a little bit of uh, problems on track, but we didn't get many, many issues like probably we expected. Even if, of course, there are lots of things that need to be implemented. Yeah, um, and uh, the the incident for Robin Frines, um, I initially thought that that might have been something to do with uh, with with regen or with braking because be, be, because it just seemed like such an unusual incident. But well, as as the in-car footage proved, it was nothing to do with that, and it it was it was an everyday racing incident that could have happened at the back of the field for anyone. Um, he he basically. Um, misjudged things and i th- i think uh um um i think i think hit norman nato and then the, the the impact because of the angle um it was at basically um knocked the steering wheel uh with his hands on the steering wheel which caused him to break his wrist unfortunately um r- really unfortunate instant and um obviously for th- for the returning abs team it's going to be really disappointing because you know robin was their star signing um People are talking about uh, um, when he'll be back. I mean, the British NHS uh, puts wrist injuries down as healing within six to twelve weeks. Um, if so, that's a lot of races he's going to miss. We're talking about, you know, at best Hyderabad to come back, at worst maybe Sao Paulo. Uh, I don't know. Um, have you? Do you have any more recent news than I do on Robin's condition? Um, from what I know, of course, he has to. Yes, of, of course, he can be back on Diria and not this soon. And of course, also another key fact is that, as you have mentioned, he was the key driver for their team, for Abd Kubra. So it's a, it's not this a big moment for them. Also because during the practices and the qualifying, they were already starting behind the field. So it wasn't it wasn't already promising, and of course the Robin the Robin crash has uh, also take the things in a really bad way. Of course, the main thing is that he can uh, have a speedy recovery, and because he fractured his hand and wrist, so it wasn't it wasn't easy. He had a five-hour operation. And we don't know also who can be his substitute during all those races, and we don't know how many races he will miss. Um, and uh, if if we look uh, else elsewhere in the field, uh, you you mentioned Sasha Fenestras a minute ago, and. He had yeah. he had an incredible qualifying session. Um, he he got himself into the duels and d- did a tremendous job. Although came out second best to uh, the person who I referred to as his dad on Twitter, Andre Lotterer. Um, but in all seriousness, um, he's a tremendous driver. And um, uh, when I was on Motorsport One Hundred and One, the podcast, um, uh, one of the 
present, presenters there said, if Formula E gets the Sasha Fenestras who raced in Japan, then uh, you're going to see sparks this season. And it looks like they have got the Sasha Fenestras from Japan right now, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. They they added because of course this is also the first season of nissan that also took over edams so now is a full nissan team and of course nissan is from japan so he can of course know how it works and also with the team and yeah i think he is he, he has already done brilliantly during qualifying also just to arrive to the jewels was something amazing to see. Of course, he got unlucky, but yeah, he, he has done a good job for the first race. Yeah, and uh, tr- um, did tremendously well when when you when you look at uh, how Norman Nato was uh, struggling, and you know Norman Nato out of the two of them is obviously the Formula E winner and the driver who has a full season under his belt with uh, Venturi two years ago, and. I, I honestly thought that in the early races we would see Nato really carry the flag with uh, with with Nissan because because of his extra experience. But um, as as with a lot of things in Formula E, it is down to qualifying. It's down to uh, um, fortune in terms of finding the track at the right temperature for the right lap. But uh, you know, Fenestras dialed it in, and then um, while his pace dropped off a bit in the race. Um, He's he still looked on good form. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does through the rest of the season. But were you surprised that the former Mercedes team, now under the McLaren banner, managed to make that Nissan powertrain generally, um, at least in the hands of Jake Hughes, work better than either Nissan Works driver could most of the time? Yes, this was really surprising. But of course, this is the current reigning the reigning team, so the team knows how to work. And we were all a little bit scared about that Nissan powertrain because in the last few years it wasn't the best one. But this time was in the hands of the best team that we can find up there. Of course, from René Rust, we didn't see so much good things, or at least he has been unlucky. He got that crash in FP1. But in the end of Jack Hughes, we can say that the Nissan powertrain is working well and we can expect more from them during the season, in my opinion. Yeah. About the Gen 3 car, um, I joked at the top about it um, um, it, it causing um, drivers to look like hamsters on roller skates. I I wasn't really joking that much. Um, I, I did get a bit knocked off at the fact that you've got let's face it, some of the best drivers in the world, and if you compare many of them with F1, sorry Lance Stroll, then you've probably got a good shout to say that they're, um, that pound for pound, it's 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 the best grid, Formula E. And yet, you know, may, maybe you could add IndyCar into that conversation as well. But anyway, um, Formula E's got a great grid, it's stacked with talent. And yet you've got a car that, sometimes you know skids around as if they're driving eye racing with a keyboard it, it it it's not good for the show and i don't know what you think but i think they need to make changes to those hankook tires because at the moment they're focused fully on sustainability they're trying to get those tires to last for you know more than a race um for more than a race weekend and um that's fine hankook have manufactured tires that can last um, for an incredibly long time that are virtually bulletproof but that means that the cars have almost no grip particularly in practice and qualifying but even in the race it was evident and it, it looked as though you know Andretti maybe McLaren were the only people to really get it dialed in um I still think Lucas Degrassi by the way was only able to hold on to third because it was almost impossible to, you know, guarantee a clean overtake, particularly on Lucas Degrassi, it's got to be said, uh, with those cars in the condition that they're in. Um, what's the future? And do you think we can possibly see any reassessment of the Hankook compound? Yeah, the the tyres have been a, a key of this <coughs> race because, of course, the, the super hard compound and 
the fact that those tires don't get in temperature really easily and they don't have so much grip hasn't helped. And for example, also at the start of the race, uh, nobody was pushing to do an overtake. They were like, or like a train, because of course they couldn't take any risks if the tires are not in temperature and they don't feel still confident with them. So of course the, the tires, I don't know how to judge them yet, but I think they have a big, big, big impact on the racing right now. And in Mexico, we have easily saw that also in the practices, in the qualifying, we have seen lot, lots of lockups and yeah, it's difficult. I don't know if something will change. Of course, the sustainability is really important, but I think that also the safety has to be counted. Absolutely, and uh, i I think the I think the show and the way the cars look when they're, when they're on track and when they're performing has to be counted as well. You, 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 you can't really have cars going through corners looking like they're on a skid pan and then not able to achieve full acceleration out of corners. It it just doesn't feel like top level motorsport to me when that happens. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I think absolutely the same. When I was watching the race, I had the same idea, the, your same idea. Also because we can say that the car in general, uh, when are you looking at it, you can't even get which, which team is it because from certain perspectives, uh, you can understand which team is it. For example, from the drone views, because all the colors and stuff are like in the front and can be so from the from an higher level, but of course also from the photo of the cars of the season nine, uh, you couldn't see which teams were who just in the photo. So this is not so for also for the new fans that maybe wants really to get into Formula E and they don't understand which team is who also for the graphics on tv or the new rebranding i think there are a lot of things that can be improved but they need to be improved and which did you think was the most attractive livery on show with this with, with all the teams having having changed something and um i think um all bar one of the teams having new drivers um which of the teams had the best livery? Um, you know, honourable mention, I would say, to Jaguar with the with the alternates, black and white. But um, I thought Maserati took some beating. My word, what a gorgeous livery that is. Um, what was your favourite livery? Yeah, Maserati livery is really good. But I think the McLaren, of course, if you, fo if you watch every single motorsport category in which there's McLaren and you turn to Formula E and you see... Papaya, papaya's cars, you can say, okay, this is McLaren. So I think McLaren, of course, had the job done on their livery. And of course, also Envision, Envision Racing. Hmm. That bright green is really, 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 it really catch the eye. So also Envision for me. Yeah, it's really distinctive. And they were one of the first teams to realise, you know, hang on, we can't all be purple, blue and silver here, guys. We need to do something different. So uh, uh, f fair play to them for pivoting towards bright green, which does does make them very distinctive on track. Um, so you're, I, I guess we can call you a top Formula E influencer now. Um, I've, maybe it would embarrass you to say that, but I think you probably are. You're So um, as a top Formula E influencer, Alessia, um, I want to know, so when we talk about fan engagement, when we talk about, you know, using the people who are the genuine fans of Formula E, um, do, do you think Formula E's commercial team should be asking you for tips? Do you think that they should be contacting you and saying, hey, take part in the broadcast? Uh, do, do you think that maybe it's kind of important to get people like you on side? Oh, my God, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, actually. I think that they should actually maybe call some influencers of Formula E. I don't know if I'm myself an influencer of Formula E, but if you say that I am, maybe I am. I don't know. 
But yeah, I think the commercial part of Formula E is already doing lots of good stuff. For example, the Formula E talent call that Darina De Tosseo has won. Uh-huh. And now she's presenting Formula E since two years, I think. She, now. She's really good, by the way, yeah. And she's really good, yeah. Also, some other the Offset Influencer team that yeah, I yeah. don't... And the, I, I, I guess it, I guess if we if we go back you know uh, if we go back to season five, voltage didn't work out, but it did bring us Saunders CB, who's still there, who's obviously you know one exactly, of my favourites. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think also Formula E voltage was a good format in my opinion, but maybe it didn't work out a lot because I found some comments about the fact that maybe not everybody that was in that cast knew a lot about Formula E. So maybe to call the people that actually knows about Formula E maybe it would be helpful also to reintroduce something like that. But in my opinion they're doing already good stuff for the for the fans, yeah. Alessia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Formula E and Mexico City and of course Jake Dennis struggling, which is our favorite part of Formula E. Um, thank you so much. And um, um, but by the way, how do you normally enjoy a Formula E race? I imagine you maybe go to Rome, but uh, um, how how and where do you enjoy? Because some people watch from their phones, some people watch from their computers. Uh, how how do you like to kick back for a race? Uh, thankfully, uh, the race itself, I can watch it from from the TV because the Italian broadcaster has a contract with Formula E. Even if I don't really enjoy the commentary box of it. And of course, the free practices are on YouTube. So I put the YouTube on the smart TV and I watched it. Usually I watched it with my mom because she's a motorsport fan. So we we commented together. But it's pretty relaxing. Then after watching the races, I open the phone and I start to see on Twitter the memes <laughs> or all the things that people started to say. But I actually don't think I've lost a race since I started to be really involved or at least really concentrated about Formula E, which is quite surprising because, of course, when I started to watch it, I was still going to high school. It was at the start of the Gen, Gen 2 era. So the races are on were on Saturday and I was going to school on Saturday morning. So in, that, in those cases, I had to watch it from the phone when I was on the train and I didn't enjoy it so much. So <laughs> I prefer it on TV. Right. Well, uh, thank you again, Alessia. And uh, you can find Alessia's uh, Jake Struggles, Jake Dennis Struggles Twitter, Twitter account um, on Twitter at uh, Jake Struggles. And uh, would you like to promote anything else that you're doing? Obviously, you're writing for F1 in generale if you uh, speak Italian. But uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about? Uh, I, Of course, I write for F1 in generale. Um, where I write Formula E articles, mainly like pre-race pre uh, interviews about drivers or teams, about their expectations, and of course, post-race uh, review. And of course, I'm also part of the Females in Motorsport team, where I'm social media editor. And also, I also write some articles. So this opportunity also gave me the fact to talk with also women involved in motorsport in the industry and to share all the all their stories online which is something that I really appreciated to do and, and apart from that of course I'm active on social medias I share this passion with people so whenever you want to talk about something about motorsport I'm I'm always I'm always here and how important is it to have organisations like FIM and you know like F Series as well? Um, those those um, um, I, and also the Purple Sector podcast is another one. So how important is it to have these um, um, woman centric or all woman um, organisations and content content creation um, kind of um, uh, groups uh, that you, you know really. 
um, help women to understand that, you know, their support of motorsport is every bit as valid as, um, as, as male support. How important is that, do you think? They're really, really important because when I started to follow motorsport, of course, there weren't this kind of, uh, this kind of podcasts or all female, we can say, centered socials. So I was, uh, I wasn't even thinking that a woman could work actually in motorsport when I was younger, but also by starting to see maybe some female drivers, for example, the first one that I saw was Maria Herrera in uh, moto in the MotoGP feeder mm. feeder classes and Anna Carrasco. They were the, my first two inspirations, and so I'm the happiest person in this in this earth to see all these female centered um social uh, starting to grow because i know that lots of other young females really want to be more involved and at least they can also take inspiration and this is what we do on females in motorsport we try to feature all the women that are working in the industry from photographers to racing drivers engineers mechanics everybody because we think that women can work in motorsport equally and this is absolutely amazing because i know that we are now inspiring more and more young female to take this path yeah and um i i um hope that uh, you continue to inspire people as well and um of course um it 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 would be it would be good to uh, maybe get maybe get a few more people uh from um FIM from associated organizations um on this podcast i'm definitely going to try and get some people involved with with racing pride on here as well because uh, i think that's another organization that uh, does some pretty good things to uh to you know get um, get people realizing that Again, the LGBTQ community is um, is fully valid and welcomed in motorsports. But yeah, so lots of good things going on, and it's an exciting time to be a fan of motorsport, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is in this period in particular. I think the things are moving in the right way, so it's even better now. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Alessia, and um, looking forward to hearing more from you and from Jake uh, later in the season. Thanks to you. Thank you so much for inviting me in the podcast.